Hi, welcome to Contrast. On this podcast, we compare and contrast our artistic journeys, creative process, and philosophies on art making. I'm Bethany Granberg, and my husband, Josh Granberg, is here with me. We are both visual artists and have very different styles and backgrounds. Hi, Bethany. How are you doing? Pretty good. Good. Tired. Yeah, kind of tired today. But so excited for the holiday season. Yeah. We Christmas decorated last weekend. Yep. Christmas lights up, Christmas tree up. This is the first time in my adult life I've had a full size real Christmas tree. I don't get it. Like a you usually, tall have, one. You usually have short ones. Yeah, I've had little ones or I've had fake ones, but I've never had a big real tree. Huh, really? Okay. And we always had real trees growing up, so it feels like an entry into like adulthood. Adulthood, familyhood, maybe more so. Yeah. Like we're gonna have a baby. That, yeah. And I was gonna say it helps having a, a big belly <laughs> with a baby in it. Yeah. <laughs> That almost came out wrong. Sorry. It feels like a family thing to have to have a big tree. So story, when I was 16, my family had just moved to San Antonio and I was the only one left out of my siblings. I'm the youngest. And I was sad about moving and sad about being the only one home. And I think our dog had died. We had to leave my two cats behind when we moved. So it just felt like a lot of loss. I couldn't put all of that into words at the time, but I just felt it in my moody teenage way. (laughs) And that was also the first year that my parents got a fake tree. And I threw the biggest like three-year-old temper tantrum that you can imagine. (laughs) I yelled and screamed and cried and begged (laughs) (laughs) and they would not give. They, I think my dad sent me to my room. He was like, you are acting like a child. You need to go. It was so sad. Anyway, so very (laughs) sentimental about traditions and it's, it's very nice to have a real tree again. Yes, we have a real tree. Christmas time, December, is also usually the season where I am printing and selling calendars of my artwork, and I'm not. Yeah, that's kind of sad. I haven't done it in the last couple of years, but I used to. I would just compile some paintings I had done from the year, and that is kind of our topic. Yeah, photographing artwork. Photographing, reproducing art, whether we do prints or not. And it is a question that I think both of us get a lot, you know, like from other artists. Do we do prints? Yeah. Do we do prints? And then from other artists, it's how do you photograph your artwork? Um, Do you sell prints? How do you protect your artwork? There's a lot of stuff around it. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff that's practical and kind of businessy and you may not want to think about that has definitely been necessary to learn some about and it's necessary form some opinions on a lot of it is a personal thing whether whether you do prints or not but first of all if you ever think about doing prints or want to show your photo your artwork in any way you have to be able to take good photos of them. Yeah. So, so we'll talk about that first. I mean, every artist, you know, hopefully every artist has a website of some sort or an Instagram account or something. Yeah. And you find very quickly that it's 
very difficult to get good photographs of your artwork. Mm-hmm. It also depends on the medium, but like oil paints are very challenging because they're so shiny or graphite yeah, or graphite. Yeah. So how do you take good photos of your paintings? Josh has lots of techie knowledge, so <laughs> yeah, I just could... geek out for a minute and tell us about that. Some of the basic things are like a lot of people think that it's all, it all has to do with the camera, even artists. Like how good the camera is. Yeah, like how good the camera is. And there is some, some truth to that. Like you, the main thing you want to look at is the bigger the sensor, the better the photograph. Like my old uh, DSLR camera is like a 10 megapixel camera, but it has a, big sensor in it does this what does the sensor do does it give it the capability of having more like pixels no it's not the pixels it's the amount of light that hits it and so that's why the size of the sensor like the physical size Mm. not the pixel size so like my you know our cell phones have tiny 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 Mm -hmm. i mean the size (laughs) of a pinhead sensor in it but there still can be you know 30 megabytes, megapixels. Well, my 10 megapixel DSLR can take a better photograph technically than my 30 megapixel camera because of the size of the sensor. Right. Way oversimplifying it, but generally that's true. Um, So you need, you know, a camera with a big sensor, you'll get a better image, better depth of field. So the darks will be darker and the lights will be lighter. It'll be closer to reality. So the camera is, a, you know, a, a definite part of it. But the bigger thing is th- how you deal with light. So a couple of things with lighting is, you know, if it's reflective, that's obviously light bouncing off of the surface. So to get rid of rid of that bounce, the sheen, you need a polarizer filter on your camera, and that will take take away the glare. They spin around and you'll just spin it till you don't see the reflection mm-hmm. and then that'll take care of a lot of it. But then also things like, you know, the best setup would be to have two flash lights at 30 degrees from both sides pointing at it at 30 degrees. So when it bounces off, it doesn't come back into the camera and then put a polarizer filter on. Directly or would you have a diffusing thing or what? A diffuser would be best. Okay. Yeah. I'd have like a big soft box. The bigger the soft box, the better. Most people don't have that. Mm-hmm. And so, you can still take good photos without it. Yeah. You can still take good photos. So some ways to take good photos without all of that equipment is one, still get it as good of a camera as you can, meaning one with the biggest sensor that you can and the newer, the better typically. And then things like You know, the best thing to do would be go outside on a sunny day, be in the shade and take a white sheet with you and build a little box and photograph your work inside of that because it diffuses the light, does the same thing as a diffuser on your flash. Mm -hmm. So you don't want direct sunlight ever. No direct sunlight. Um, You also don't want to shoot straight down. You want to bring the drawing or the painting up to eye level. Yeah. So so that's getting into more of the basics of the setup. 
I have a video that will link on the very most basics about photographing artwork, just super simple things like the angle, not having distortion on the angle of your photograph, not having it blurry, clear detail, even lighting, not setting it up where you have a shadow crossing over the front of it. So just super simple things that might be common sense, but might not. <laughs> yeah, might not. <laughs> Most probably. Artists, yeah, they'd probably yeah. recognize it. But yeah, there's all, I mean, you can go into all kinds of detail. You know, even things like, okay, if you have a 35 millimeter camera sensor in your camera, then you want a 50 millimeter lens on it to have the least amount of distortion. <laughs> there's all kinds of numbers you can throw out to get the best possible image but for the most part most people don't need that good of of image mm -hmm. especially for websites like if you can get a decent shot uh, without any distortion without any reflection and put it up on your website then you're you're pretty good for printing anything you need a lot higher resolution than you do for it to look good just on a screen yep definitely so if you're trying to make prints of art, it becomes more important to have high resolution, good detail. Yeah, especially if you're going to do leading into our next question of reproductions, like if you're going to do what's called a glaché, I don't know how you say that really, it's French, <laughs> but like a, a, a reproduction of your work that's printed on fine art paper and then sell them as limited prints not printing from your computer printer. Right. So that kind of brings us to the second topic of do you sell copies, prints? Do we sell prints? I do not sell prints. Do you? I do not sell prints. <laughs> Why do you not sell prints? Well, this is, this is a very personal thing and we're not judging other artists who might make prints. That's, I think that's fine if, if yeah, you do that totally and want fine. to. And we have good friends who are artists who do. And, and I love, I love that they do that. <laughs> when it came to myself deciding whether or not to do that, I just figured I would rather invest my time and my efforts towards marketing to do originals, not prints. Part of the reason I didn't do it initially was just the logistics of it, that it felt complicated. And I knew mm -hmm. that getting good prints would be tricky. And to do a really high quality, you have to do mass production. And I didn't want to do mass production. It felt unknown and complicated. So that was honestly part of it. And there is the feeling that some artists have that I feel like I'm not judging it as an absolute truth, but I, but I feel it to a degree that I don't want, I don't want to devalue my original paintings by having prints. But I say that like with reticence that I, I don't, I don't want to cause offense. And I, I really am not judging others. Yeah. It's, that it's do that. tricky. How would you say it devalues the work? Well, if there's more of, if there's more than one of something, the one is not as, as precious, you know, as rare as, yeah. it's just kind of a simple math, <laughs> like so, supply yeah. and demand kind yeah. of, but. For me, it's, uh, I think artists don't realize that you can choose your market. Like if you create artwork, whatever it might be, you can choose to sell to the masses of just anyone who wants a, an image. 
And then that, I think it's an okay place to sell some kind of a reproduction. But if you also want to sell to a um, more select group of people who can afford more, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? More original artwork, then they might not want to see that there's other prints out there if they're wanting to buy an original. That's right. A lot of buyers might, yeah, might and then, feel like it's worthless to them. Yeah. And then you have, you know, even the step above that where you have art collectors. An art collector really, I'm going to say never, but that's probably not true. But really, an art collector will never buy a piece of art that's been reproduced that reproductions have been sold because it devalues from an art collector's perspective. It devalues that art. So you're talking like super high end. Yeah. You know, there is the issue of accessibility and I do want my paintings to be accessible to people who don't have hundreds of thousands of dollars to spend on one piece of art. Yep. Or if something is really meaningful to someone and I've already sold it. <laughs> I have. So this is my, my sort of loophole. It's not, it's not prints. I have done a, a handful of second versions of a painting and I, it's not a copy. When I've done that, it has always been in watercolor, not oil, which is more spontaneous and it's not ever going to look exactly the same anyways. But you're saying the concept is still the same? The concept is the same whatever subject matter is a recognizable, like realistic subject. And I tell people like, I'm not doing a copy. It'll be the same idea, but it's not going to look exactly the same. And I've done that a few times. I see it as a new original that is just inspired by the, by the first version. Yeah. And that's also a chance to enhance or like refine the composition or the technique in it. Yeah, doing a second copy will always, you'll have figured some things out, learned some stuff. Yeah. Do you have an example? One good example is the, the Aslan painting I did, the Aslan song specifically in the Chronicles of Narnia. There's this beautiful, awesome scene where it's about creation and it's Aslan, the lion singing and like through his song, the world of Narnia is created and comes into life and like the stars come out first. And so the painting is of the stars and like the colors in the sky starting to come out. And so many people love those books so much. You know, I would almost feel bad keeping that from someone that that wanted it. And so I've done actually maybe three versions of that painting. The first one I did, I actually intended it to be sort of a practice one that was smaller and I was kind of experimenting. I put soap bubbles in the watercolor, which was my first <laughs> cool. time to do that. Like I'd heard of that, of that. You take dish soap and blow, like mix it with water and blow bubbles. And if you put it on top, those bubbles, <laughs> you blow it up in a cup and scoop it out on top of you have to do it quickly. So it's really wet watercolor, but it creates this really cool texture that works for a night sky scene like that. I did it again with brighter colors and a lot bigger. So that was one. Another one I did was my hot air balloon painting and 
coincidentally, a lot of that composition is also a sky scene, kind of abstracted. And so I was playing around with the watercolor and I did a little one first and sold both of those symbolic significance for me personally that I reused in a couple of paintings. Like I've developed my own iconography a little bit where (laughs) balloons represent hope. And um, the first girl that I sold the little original version to that was very meaningful for her life and like her husband proposed to her in a hot air balloon and anyway so it's like we kind of shared stories and shared that meaning together and that made it more meaningful for me and now actually like my first and only tattoo that I got this past year is of a hot air balloon (laughs) cool yeah it's a great tattoo thank you Anyway, so those are just a couple examples. So that's of doing the same concept, the same painting of the same concept multiple times. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever done that? I don't think so. At least not kind of in the way you're talking about. I think the closest thing that I can think of would be um, some of the studies that I've done before a painting, which you've kind of hinted at. And I have sold some of those before just because they're, they're small, they're quick, they're spontaneous sort of, and they're just kind of fun. Yeah. Um, the painting on our wall of the chocolate, yeah. probably my favorite still life painting of yours. <laughs> okay. You sold the small color study of yeah. that to somebody. To your parents. To my parents. Yeah. Yep. It's on their wall. It's a cool little one. Yeah. We should post the little study and the big one. Together. Yeah. Together. Yeah. Kind of the purpose of those little ones for me um, is it's a color study. Mm-hmm. So I'm really focusing on the color. So not really the drawing or the value as much. So I do drawing studies and then I do value studies typically in charcoal and then color studies and then the final canvas. Yeah. So that's, but that's very different than doing a whole painting, selling it, and then doing the exact same thing again so that you can sell it again. Yeah. 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 That, never never done different. that. So when you sell a painting to someone, are they then allowed to reproduce it? <laughs> That's a great question. Within the topic of copying right. and reproductions. You know, I think most people would understand and agree and know that you can't just copy a, you know, an image, a painting off of the internet and download it and reproduce it and say, this is yours. <laughs> that, yeah, to that's like wrong. steal it and take credit for it. That's right. the most extreme. Yeah. There's so much between, you know, the yeah, original piece. Yeah, there might piece. be gray area before that extreme. So the short answer is if someone buys your painting and frames it and put it on the wall, they do not own the intellectual property. Mm-hmm. They own the physical piece. And so, no, they legally cannot reproduce that piece, even in photograph. This is the legal reality of it. We're not just saying this is our opinion or reproduce it in any way, even digitally. Maybe a good way to think about it is there's three things connected to a piece of art there's the physical the physical piece of it then there's the intellectual property which always remains with the artist 
it can never be transferred. And then the uh, reproduction rights. Mm -hmm. And those typically for fine art will will most of the time remain with the artist. Mm -hmm. But the artist can choose to sell that with the physical Mm -hmm. piece as well. And an artist doesn't have to go to an extra step of legally registering an artwork in order for that copyright to be there. Like intellectual property is automatically copyrighted just by being created. A lot of people don't know that. Yeah. The, I would still recommend that every artist do register their work. Mm -hmm. um, You can still register it, but you don't technically you don't have to. Yeah. But you want to, because it would be very, it would be very difficult for you to win a case if a lawsuit is brought forward. Mm-hmm. Right. So registering it is super easy. Um, you can find it online. Uh, you register it with the uh, Library of Congress. Okay. And you can register all of yours in a bunch, you know, once a year. You register all of your work that you created that year, send it all in, and it's like 60 bucks or something to do all of them. And then it's all legally protected and registered. But I think probably the most common, like, quote-unquote, infringement of of copyright technically is really, like, accidental and just, um, like, you're not technically, you're not supposed to take a photograph and post it even online of an artwork without, I don't know if it's without permission or without at least like crediting the artist. Permission is better. I think it might be permission technically. (laughs) Josh and I don't use any professional photography or photographs from online and just use them, just copy them without without permission josh probably doesn't at all and i don't without permission (laughs) (laughs) there's been two cases that i can remember that i have used someone else's photographs in some of my work Mm. and i got written permission from them in order to use it and do it when in doubt be extra careful and respectful so it is it's tricky I've had a couple like very innocent experiences with this and a couple more like hurtful, malicious things happen. The worst one was having a company that was selling through Amazon take the image of one of my paintings and print it on pillows and sell it. And somebody else discovered that and sent me a message on Facebook. It was so jarring and and just felt like a violation and was very upsetting. And I fought it and filed a complaint with Amazon and it was just super difficult to deal with and go back and forth. And I think eventually that one company did take the image down, but then it popped up in a couple other, the exact same painting. And I just stopped fighting it because I decided it wasn't worth my emotional energy and And I couldn't really do anything about it. It was like the companies weren't even in America. So it's not like we could fight it with America's laws. Yeah, it felt personally violating. 
a much, much, much more innocent example, um, like really with a friend, it was just sort of an awkward moment. I was a lot younger and I didn't know like what all the legality was yet then that I had sold a painting and this lady that I was friends with mentioned very casually. I think she even meant it kind of as a compliment. She was like, oh, maybe I'll make prints of this for for these friends of mine who also have a connection to the painting. And I was like, oh, and, and, you know, I was like early twenties, I think I didn't, I didn't know what to say. I don't think I said anything then. I would definitely nicely (laughs) correct (laughs) that assumption that that was an okay thing to do. Um, I, I don't think she actually did it, but, but it felt so weird to me. And we understand you know, it's very difficult. It's hard to know. I mean, even artists don't know. I don't know all of the rules and laws and stuff. Um, but it's just so easy for artists to get taken advantage of and for their intellectual property to be stolen or violated. Mm-hmm. You know, a, a good kind of a Similarity is with music. You know, you have a streaming service like Spotify that Spotify is buying the rights to air that work from those artists. So it's the same thing with art. You know, you can you can enjoy it for what you have paid for, but you cannot reproduce that. And it is possible to license artwork. And then you then when you pay for that license you have a written contract agreement and then you can reproduce the image under the terms of the agreement. Like I have sold, I haven't done this a lot. I haven't sought it out, but there's been a few times where either a company or an event has requested to like pay for licensing to reproduce one of my paintings once there was this national conference that they wanted to buy the physical painting and the rights to reproduce the image both digitally and physically two separate invoices one was for the painting itself and the other was for is it royalties where you get a percentage of sales and then so that's not a set amount right yeah So it wasn't a royalty like that. It was just a kind of an unlimited usage fee. And that was more than the painting cost. Yeah. So that's reproducing artwork. How do you photograph it? Do you sell prints? Do you make multiple copies of the same concept? What else did we talk about? Reproduction rights, intellectual property. That's a lot. It is a lot. And, and this is definitely like our personal opinion and thoughts on it. And we don't want to step on toes or. (laughs) Yeah. And there's a lot we don't know. If you have any questions or if there's anything that sparked questions or interests, please feel free to contact us. Yep. We may not know the answers, but we can have a conversation about it. Yeah. We can try to find out. (laughs) Anyway. Next week, we will try and get back to some painting topics. Okay, we'll talk to you next week. Bye, everyone.